0: I don't know whether or not you've been following the uh, Women's World Cup, but if you have, you know, always has to be some sort of drama. And a lot of talk these days about whether they're too arrogant when they score or they don't show enough emotion. If these aren't first-world problems, I don't know what are. But in any event, that gets a lot of attention in the news. But I want you to imagine for a minute that somebody came up to you and just really let you know how humble you are. I mean, they really, just really pointed out in front of lots of other people how humble you are. They said, you know, the world is a better place because of your humility. What would you do? You could embrace it, right? But then that would probably be arrogant. Yes, yes, I I know I'm the most humble person you've seen. You could reject it. Oh, come on, no, no, but that would be arrogant too, right? I know better than you. What would you do if someone really came up and praised you for your humility? Humility is a funny thing, but I'd like to suggest, and we almost get clubbed over the head with it in tonight's readings. I'd like to suggest that it is arguably the most important practical, practical, right? I don't mean abstract, but the most important practical tool in the Christian spiritual life. And here's what I mean. And when I say humility, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, shucks, that's nothing. I mean real humility, where you don't have the ability to fall back on some skill set because you don't have it, or the skills that you have aren't particularly useful in this situation or this relationship. Lots of times the deepest humility is precisely in how we interact with certain other people in our lives, It's not the only time, but that's often a particularly potent example. What in your life is the greatest invitation to humility? For every one of us here tonight, we've got something. And as I said, it's not the aw shucks kind of humility I'm talking about. We know, we always hear, do good, you should do good. The Lord wants you to do good. But what's the hardest good that you're being invited to do tonight? Where do you just find yourself almost curling up into a ball inside in face of the prospect of having to do that thing, whatever that is? Maybe it's extending forgiveness to someone. Maybe it's showing up in a place where you know you're not welcome. Maybe it's out of love, taking on some task, or or doing something that you know you're just going to fail miserably at, but it means something to the other person, Maybe it's really fessing up to some truth in your own heart about yourself that you've done a pretty good job keeping from other people's eyes. Whatever it is, we've all got something where we know at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do, but it's really, really hard to do it. And we're not even sure if we can or we don't believe it would make a difference necessarily. So why do I say humility is in some ways at the heart of the spiritual life? That if we really want to do good in the sense of actually following where God is calling us to go, the key to do that is often through the path of greatest humility. Well, think about what happens in the Gospel. This is that moment in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is a long Gospel, so we're really kind of near the front of it. And Jesus has these 72. He's drawn them together. If that's not an ego booster, I don't know what is. Out of all the people in Israel, Jesus, hey, you, you, come here. And I want you too. You may be thinking, yeah, well, there's 72 of us. That's not so special. But there's still a lot of people in Israel. And there they are. They've been chosen. They've been singled out. There's something about them that Jesus wants. But then what does he do? He doesn't send them out to exercise, necessarily, their greatest skills. He doesn't set them up for success. What he does is he strips away from them every security blanket they might have. Don't take any extra money. Don't take any extra food. Don't take enough clothing so that you'll make a good impression when you show up. Show up in such a way that you are going to be totally dependent on the generosity of others or maybe just the pity of others. Maybe they won't even want to help you, but just out of feeling sorry for your miserable condition, they'll give you something. He sets them up to be helpless in a way. Now, not totally helpless, I get that, but the point is, why does he do it? He doesn't have to do that. But he literally says, I'm putting you out there in a state of vulnerability. I'm sending you out there to declare the kingdom because that's what he tells them to do. When you go out there, you tell them the kingdom is at hand. So whatever it is about proclaiming the kingdom, and we say a lot these days about evangelizing, how do we want to share the good news of our faith with a world that doesn't seem to be always that interested? How do we turn the nuns into the sums? You've got to get that message across. And what does Jesus do to his hand-picked few? He says, I want you to let go of everything that might at least Take off your worry, you know. Are we going to be okay? So we can focus on this message we have to deliver. And Jesus says, No. I want you to worry about where your next meal is coming from. I want you to worry about having enough clothing to be protected. I want you to worry about how your most basic needs are going to be met. Because in that concern, in that uncertainty, in that vulnerability, you will be proclaiming the kingdom. And the thing about humility is it always takes you to a fork in the road. You know, if you actually face the humility, you can't just sit back in neutral. And the fork in the road is either I'm gonna move forward even though I don't have a skill set to fall back on, I'm gonna move forward even though everybody's gonna know what I don't have and what I seemingly am incapable of, or I'm gonna go in another direction. I'm going to find whatever skills I do have, and I'm just going to exercise those, even if they're not taking me closer to where I know the Lord is nudging me to go, even if it's not taking me along the path of love, whatever that might look like. To engage with that person, it's going to be difficult to engage with, to put myself in a situation where I'll only be able to engage if I am willing avail myself of the help that only they can provide and in the gospel I get it, it it's focused on material things but most of the time at least for most of us in this parish in this town it's not necessarily where your next meal is going to come from but every single one of us has an invitation to humility and sometimes the easier we can hide it behind being healthy and well-fed and well-employed the more poisonous it can be because we can bury it and suppress it deeper and deeper. And so when Paul, on his side of the resurrection, right, those 72, they had no idea where this story was leading. Paul knew the end story. So when Paul gets up, he's boasting about the cross. I boast in the cross, he says. Well, if we want to translate that from Paul Bible language into what our lives might look like, can just ask ourselves, am I really proud of that one area in my life where I have the opportunity to be most humble? Do I own it? Do I proclaim it? Hey, world, I want you to know I'm pretty helpless here. I certainly wouldn't say that about myself. But maybe just as a little spiritual exercise as we move into this 14th week in ordinary time, summer settling in, Maybe just name for yourself with brutal honesty, here is that area in my life where I feel the greatest humility. Here's that relationship. Here's that quality of mine. When I show up at work tomorrow or school, for those of you who have it in the summer, when I face that person when I come home tonight, when I see that text in my phone that I've been putting off again and again, And I know if I just engage that situation or that person, I know I've got this pit in my stomach that I'm going to make a fool of myself or I'll make the situation worse or I'll I'll just anger them more. Why even bother? Things are pretty good otherwise. I often wondered if maybe there were 75 that Jesus picked, but three of them said, thanks but no thanks. We hear about the ones who did it. And when they came back, they can't believe it. I love that Luke kept that part in. When they came back, they couldn't believe it. We're never going to know exactly what they felt like when they went off. But I'll bet if we asked at least a few of them, they would have been more than a little uncertain. And so you and I can certainly cut ourselves some slack if we say, you know, I really feel inadequate about this one thing. So thanks for bringing it up, Father. But as a little prayer as you come up for the Eucharist, maybe just ask for the grace, so that next Sunday when we all gather, we too might have in our hearts just a little bit of that growth in confidence and trust. Jesus, we went off and we did what you said, and much to our amazement, it worked.